0: Hello everyone and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding
1: platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has
0: made us more informed, grateful and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look,
1: you will be too. Today, we're going to be talking with Cindy, the co-founder of Pitbull Second Chance Rescue, an organization based out of Bluefield, West Virginia, and whose goal is to rescue, rehabilitate, and educate. The heart and the dedication that this team of rescuers has is inspiring. So we were so excited to bring Cindy on to discuss the birth of Pitbull Second Chance and the journey they've embarked on over the years. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Cindy. How are you?
2: I'm fine, Bridget. How are you today? Hi, Sydney.
0: Hi. We are doing so great. I mean, we're so honored to have you on. I know you're doing such great work. But for those who may not know anything about Pitbull Second Chance, I'm wondering if you can kind of lay the groundwork how it got started and what brought you into animal welfare.
2: Okay. Well, about eight years ago, I went and adopted my first Pitbull here in. West Virginia, that Mercer County animal shelter. He was 12 years, 12 weeks old, excuse me, and love for life and how loyal and caring they are. And so I decided to start volunteering up at the shelter about a year later. One thing led to another. I became very attached to many of the animals up there, but mainly the pit bulls. They are very misunderstood. They sit for a long time in those kennels, last to be adopted. It, it's very sad. It, they're looked at as the underdog and bothers me because so many people, I think, just don't want to educate themselves and understand this breed. And because of that, it pushed me harder to really go over and beyond for them. So I just started personally sponsoring them medically bringing them gifts and taking them for walks. And it just escalated to where I was there every day. And one day the director called me in the office and told me that they had a list and I didn't understand what that was. And I very quickly realized that it was the euthanization list. And I'm sorry if I get emotional, (laughs) I see all their faces, but we saved them. So that's their happy tears. <laughs> told me that they were going to be put down, that they were there for too long. And this is not a high kill shelter. But when they get so overcrowded to the point where they're putting dogs in crates in the hallway and everything just to keep them safe. And the community is complaining that they're not able to take animals in. It gets so overwhelming for the director and the workers up there, that it becomes, I don't even know what word I want to use, where they red mark dogs that have been there too long, and then they're put on a list. So with that being said, I um, got very emotional. I ran outside and called my husband. I said, we've got to do something. And that weekend, we started looking for a building that we could rent. I mean, this was not something I planned, put away money for, and organized a board group or anything like that or someone to help me do this. It just happened very quickly. Many people told me no. I would look in the paper to see what buildings were for rent and everything. And finally met a man that didn't even care as long as nothing happened. He said, you can do whatever you want here. So it took us months to get it safe. For us to bring the dogs over, um, we started, my husband as an electrician, so he started working on it in September, January 2018, January 22nd, actually, we opened the doors to the 11 dogs. From there, we worked with them, we got them into wonderful homes, and we had our building for almost two years, and unfortunately, due to lack of funding, it being a 501c3 nonprofit, we were struggling between the electric, the rent, and vetting, and we had to close the building, but we continued with our rescue, and we are now strictly foster-based, and we work hands-on with the shelter. We sponsor many of the pit bulls up there, and they allow us to be involved with their adoption. I still feel in my heart that I'm doing everything I can within the community to keep the animals in a safe haven, even though it's not in my own building, I have fosters. And like I said, they do allow me to be involved with the people that go up to the shelter that possibly will be the, their forever home. We exchange phone numbers and we keep in touch and everything. So it, it, it is calming for me to at least have that part that I did have when I had my building, because we used to do home checks and background checks. And if we sponsor the dogs at the shelter here, they don't allow me to do that. They just allow me to be involved with the meet and greets at the shelter with the possible new adopter. That's how it all began. We're still doing as much as we can. We're in a very rural area here. And most people, a good 75% of the people here would prefer the pit bull not to even be in existence. Rather upsetting. And it frustrates me because we try very hard to educate and bring awareness to the community about this breed and how they truly are. I mean, they originate years and years and years ago of their nickname being the nanny dog. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that. Also fought in the war for us. There's a statue, I believe it's in Pennsylvania, of Sally the Pitbull that fought in a war for us and you see the negative. They never seem to want to show the more positive side of this breed, but I've noticed in the last few years here, it is getting better with more positive outlook on the pit bull, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, it's so bizarre because we've talked about too, like the different trends that there are, like Mm -hmm. there was a trend for all these different dogs, like Dobermans and different dogs where people were assuming that they were like these really hyper aggressive animals they every breed has had their like little moment where suddenly they're this evil villain just makes you wish you're like who was the first person to say pit bulls Mm -hmm. were the bad one I'm like I wish I could hunt them down not really hunt them down (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean just give them a good talking to
2: Exactly. Well, it's been with the Rottweilers, the Dobermans, the German Shepherds, but the stigma seems to have been staying a lot longer with the pit bull. Mm -hmm. The only thing, Bridget, that I think possibly has caused this to be such a negative influence on so many people is the loyalty these dogs have and the resilience. And because of that, humans take that wonderful strength, and devotion and love that they have and use that to do bad things. And so when, just like a child gets praised for doing something good, when a dog is doing being taught something bad, but they're getting praised for it, they will continue Mm -hmm. to do that because they see they're making their human happy. And with the dog fighting, that just, it gets me so angry and sad at the same time. To know what so many of these dogs are going through every day in a pit to please a human and to make money while they are being tortured to their death, it's, it's beyond me. It's barbaric. I just hope as time goes on here, like I said, I've noticed in the last couple of years more positive light has shined on these dogs. And I'm hoping that continues than this negative that has been out there for so long on them. I really do.
0: Absolutely. I think too, to start off the way you did, seeing these animals that have been in a shelter environment for so long. And of course, there's that mentality against pit bulls. So they're sitting in there longer, which of course is aggravating their own emotional well-being. Yep. I'm wondering, do you have a lot of experience then with like retraining or or is it really just been about giving these animals a, a little space and peace when you pull them out of a shelter environment?
2: I am not a professional trainer. God has blessed me with a special touch with them. For some reason, since I was a little girl, I've always loved all kinds of animals, brought everything home. And of course, mom and dad, you got to get rid of it. (laughs) I don't know what it is. And I'm very loud spoken and I'm a hyper person and I'm going to be 61 years old. I've never had one show any fear of me. So what I do, like when I go after this interview, I'll be up at the shelter. I go and I get them out of that. I shouldn't say prison because everyone up there is wonderful with them. But I mean, they are in a kennel. If they don't get out every day, it can become a very agitating and frustrating situation. Their anxiety gets the best of them. And they sometimes either can shut down and just give up, or they want so anxiously for someone to give them that second chance, and that's what we try to do. Um, So I get them out every day, and I work with them on leash. I do basic manners with them, Uh, you know, sit, stay, teaching them how to take treats gently. Uh, So many of them don't know what it is to walk on a leash. That's a lot of fun when it's the first few times (laughs) of trying, but I have found the most important is showing them that they're safe, they're loved, and they're never going to be hurt again. And I truly believe when you tell them this, I believe they understand what you're saying. I just can't imagine doing anything else in my life. I'm hoping the good Lord will let me continue this for many years ahead to be able to be the voice for these dogs.
0: That's so endearing. And I mean. I feel like I'm so grateful that they have you at this point. I mean, someone with, with such a heart for them. I know you're working really intimately with the shelter itself. And I know you were saying too that that so many of the, the employees at the shelter are these big animal lovers. So that has to be heartbreaking for them when they're forced, when their hand is really forced. As far as the euthanasia list there, I'm wondering with how many years that you've been volunteering there and working with them, have you seen like the emotional toll that's taken on, on them as well and like a high turnover rate?
2: Bridget, I'll be honest with you. In all the years I've been there, I can only count on one hand how many times that situation has happened. Thank the Lord. Mm. The director is has such a big heart. Her name is uh, Stacy. Has such a heart and she will do everything she can to have that as a last resort. And but I have witnessed it and it's been very heart wrenching. It takes a toll on them for not just a day or two. They become attached. It's it's like part of their family. It is very hard for them. But then again, like I said, I've not had to witness that but a few times in all the years that I have been up there. So I thank the good Lord for that.
0: I mean, I'm sure in no small part because she's such an advocate for them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's like she's working with you and and doing everything she can to avoid it. That's so heartening. I love a good animal lover who's like, like looking a challenge dead on and making a difference because of it. That's wonderful to hear that it hasn't been so frequent.
2: Exactly. Because you hear so many horror stories with shelters all over that are high kill, or even if they're not high kill, the minute a pit bull enters the premises, they aren't even put into a kennel. They're immediately put down. And that is I can't even fathom how someone without even getting to know this poor dog, just judging them for their breed or the way they look. And the like I said, the shelter I work with hands on here never ever would we're blessed to have them. And there are only shelter actually in very small area. We just have Actually, in the two blue fields, we have one in West Virginia and one in Virginia, and that's it for many miles away. It does get overwhelming with because it's not a large shelter, the amount of intake that they get daily. To be able to prevent the euthanization, I take my hat off to our director here at the shelter. She, like I said, worked night and day to try her very best to prevent all that. And we try to help in any way we can also when we sponsor them, getting them up on our web page. And of course cuddly who God Almighty has been a godsend to us, you know, doing campaigns. And people actually have reached out that follow cuddly to want to adopt one of our dogs. Hmm. Like they say, one hand washes the other. We all are in this for one reason. And we need to work together and stay Stand strong for all breeds, not just the pit bull, but for any animal that is is being abused and neglected. We have to be their voice. They can't. And so they need us to protect them.
0: Definitely. And I know looking in the past year with you saying that you, you weren't able to afford your facility and you really are shifting to this kind of like altered model of working with the shelter and just foster based. I think it's very interesting that you say that because I feel like we've been hearing a lot of that actually of even shelters themselves being like, we can't keep these animals here. Let's work with a bunch of different rescues and coordinate, like get these animals out into homes, into foster homes so that they're in a better environment Mm -hmm. and learning how to live in a a family setting. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder, like, I know it must've been a huge decision to make to get rid of your facility. But I almost wonder, do you feel like you're maybe in a better place? I venture to say. I do a lot of the
2: times because we're able to help more dogs medically. There's so many cases that come through the doors and and even not just at the shelter, phone calls I get daily. So in that aspect, yes. But as far as when the shelter is full to capacity, And then the knot gets in my stomach. Oh, my God, here we go. And that puts me in fear. If we're not able to place some in fosters or other rescues, God, if I had my building, I could at least have 11 of them safe and not have to worry about them being put down. So at times, yes, it has been frustrating. But I try to look at the positive and say to myself, Cindy, you're one person, and then my partner, Angel, who I could not do this without. God bless her. I'm not computer savvy, and she runs our page, and she has gone out hours away and rescued dogs in the middle of the night. She's got a beautiful heart. I couldn't do this without her. So I say to myself, and when I speak with Angel, we're doing everything we can in our power to keep these animals safe. So... At times, yes, I do get frustrated. I don't have my building. But then I say, I'm doing everything I can. We're just two people, and you need a village. And a lot of times we feel alone, but then it seems to all come together, and I'm like, wow, here's Cuddly helping us, the shelter, and then people within the community that hear certain stories of certain animals that are really suffering that we're trying to help, and they'll step up so... We're in a good place right now, and I'm happy. And I'm not saying possibly down the road, if the opportunity comes up and we're able to have a brick and mortar, then great. Mm. I'm all for it. But right now, we're in a good place. We're doing a lot, and we're doing the best we can.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the name of the game of rescue is really evolving, and I think adapting, <laughs>
1: No, absolutely. That was what I was going to ask is that you guys are doing so many good things. I only think that you're going to continue to grow, especially after the difficult year that we had last year. You guys still did so much and accomplished so much in that time. That was what I was going to ask is down the line, you know, as you continue to grow, is that going to be a dream to rebuild potentially a facility again or something along those lines?
2: There's a possibility, yes. I, you know, I'm not getting any younger and I'm one of those people that want to be hands-on every day. Mm -hmm. And when I had my building, I was there 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So if I was able to have a good group of people that I completely trust, see, that's another thing, Bridget. Nowadays, it's sad to say, but true. There's not a lot of people that I would trust with my dogs. I don't have a lot of fosters because of that. So if I could get a group of people that are willing to do as hard of work that I am labor-wise and emotionally for these dogs, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yes, I would. That's crossed my mind numerous times.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're so grateful to have you on, I think for so many reasons, but also because you're one of the very few rescues that we've actually spoken to from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if maybe you can shine a light a little bit on like the culture around animals there and what things are like? Because I mean, we've talked to people, a lot of people from Texas and East Coast, West Coast, but it's an entirely different environment where you are. So are you seeing? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, you've got a good handful of loving, caring animal lovers here, and then you've got some really sick and twisted, which is all over the world. I've got to think here how I'm going to say That's because I got to be careful. Like I said, there is a lot of uneducated people here as far as a pit bull. I will put it that way. They, prior to the virus coming out, we would do any event possible if there was, like they would do a lemonade festival or any kind of community gathering. We would set up a booth and put up booklets and try to educate. And it got to the point where I was like, my goodness, these things are free. We're trying to just talk within the community and uplift about the pit bull. So many people would either give us a dirty look or just keep walking by. And then you'd have the few that would stop by and really praise about, oh, I have a pit bull at home. They're the best and on and on with that. So that's my only complaint within this area is I feel as though people don't want to see or hear the good parts about the pit bull. They just want to focus on the negative and stay in that frame of mind and not want to educate themselves on other aspects about them. And that to me gets frustrating.
0: Yeah. Stuck in like the comfortable, like ideas of
1: the past kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating too, because if I feel like if you've ever met a pit bull, they are the goofiest sweetest, most wiggly animals. It's so funky, the stereotypes that they have against them. If you actually met them in person, I- I've never met a happier dog.
2: I know. I'm looking at two right now. My Gunner that's going to be eight <laughs> that I rescued from the shelter. And then my Milo, he'll be three years old. We actually rescued him down the street from where our building was.
1: Aww. Him
2: and two other pit bulls were left there in 92 degree weather. And the neighbor, it took him two weeks to come down to tell us that these three babies that were abandoned, the people moved. Milo almost died in my husband's arms. And he is now, I call him my dentist, the Menace. (laughs) And the other two, luckily, were not in that bad of shape. But he was the youngest. He was only nine months old. And the other two were about two and a half. And they're in wonderful homes now. But see, that's a good example right there of how frustrating it is here took him two weeks. He heard them Mm -hmm. crying. He knew they were there. He knew two of their names. But yet, he didn't even bother to do any. He waited two weeks to try and get help for them. That is what I mean by how I get so frustrated with the, I got to be careful with the things that I want to say and what I know I can't say. To me, that's just ignorance. Just not caring about humanity. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Sometimes they do say too that seeing bad things happen and doing nothing is almost worse than doing a bad thing yourself.
2: Yeah, I know. It is aggravating, but like my mother has always told me, Cindy, you can't change the world. I said, but I can try.
0: <laughs> a <Atta> girl.
2: <laughs> I can do my best.
0: Yeah. And I think with a little education too, I mean, it's what we've seen in so many different cases here too, of people who feel like they're, they've been brought up with like the keep your eyes on your own paper kind of a mentality of mm-hmm. like mind your own business exactly and i think all of us coming together and being like well but if you see something bad like let's just take a second or if you if you see a lost dog like grab him real quick so nothing bad happens to them things like that it is frustrating but i mean i it, i'm so grateful to hear your perspective from working with the shelter because i know we've been speaking with other people who really were brought up and they started working in shelter environments like a decade or more ago. And it was a very different world back then. I mean, it's shocking, but the idea of like forcing new people to do the euthanasia so that they could toughen them up kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It is wonderful to hear that now. And it's like, you're almost scaring away anyone who is on these animals side. It's like, how long would an animal ever even survive in that environment? Not very long at all. No. Just as far as the climate is concerned then, because I know you're talking about the heat there. Is there anything that you see as far as medical conditions there that, like, is there something that's super prevalent? Because I know with us, it's pretty temperate here in California, like um, Southern California (laughs) all the time.
2: Yeah. My daughter lives out there in San Francisco. Now here, like, This summer has been extremely hot and very dry and heat stroke. That's my biggest concern. And I'll drive around seeing if dogs have shade or water. So many people just, they don't care. They don't care. And then our winters can be bitter, bitter cold. And here we are then with them freezing to death. They don't have shelter to be warm. That is a big issue here as far as people feel that a lot of people feel here that the dogs belong outside, on chains or running loose. That's just how it is here. Unless you live in city limits, it's the law. Like I live in city limits, our dogs, and even if I didn't, they are walked on leash. They live in my house. We exercise outside. But a good percentage of this area, they don't look at it that way. Most dogs are left outside on chains or in deplorable conditions. And it's sad. It really is.
0: I think it's the norm that everyone was used to like a decade or more ago of mm-hmm. that's where a dog goes. And, it, and now that we're all like more aware, even for me, like I'm very hyper aware of like when, when it's really hot out with cement and dogs mm-hmm. going for walks, like mm-hmm. I'm probably obnoxious to my coworkers. Cause I'm just like looking down I'm like, we get little booties for your dog. <laughs> I'm nervous <laughs> for him. I want him to be comfortable.
2: I did that yesterday. I was up at the shelter and they were temper testing some dogs and I knelt down behind my car. I had dropped something out of my trunk to carry into the shelter. And when I knelt down and I had pants on the heat and I wasn't even down a half a second and I said, oh my goodness. And I said to the girls, guys, feel the ground. You need to get them on on the grass right away. A lot of people don't acknowledge how quickly their pads can burn very quickly when it's that hot outside. So I agree with you hundred percent. We, people need to be aware of that.
0: Absolutely. I know. And you don't think about it until all of a sudden you're like, have that aha moment.
2: Uh-huh. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you have such a great re- working relationship with your shelter. And for those interested in kind of working with their shelters, any other rescue listening, I'm wondering if you have any advice that you would offer them.
2: Get involved. Every shelter I know for, that's so important, volunteers, we, they, these dogs need to get out and exercise, and most shelters are so shorthanded. It's so hard for them to do all their regular duties and get every dog out for 10 minutes a day or every other day, and it's so important. It helps with their temperament and their mental health to get out and see a tree and see some grass. So I just feel it's so crucial for people. So many people think, I can't, it will make me cry. I'll want to take them all home. Well, it is, it's hard for me. It's been hard for me for eight years, but I do it because I know I'm making those dogs happy. So the only thing I could say, the community, wherever you may live, please go and volunteer, even if it's only, an hour, a couple days a week, go to your shelter, visit with these animals, let them know that they're loved and that they're not alone.
0: I love that. Definitely. I know. I love that idea of like, even the smallest amount of volunteering, it's like, it makes a difference. It really does. And it doesn't have to be your whole life. Although I know it's, It gets tricky, then we
1: we trick everyone (laughs) into making it. You don't have to be crazy
2: like me and make it your whole life, and that's exactly what I've done, and I love it, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But I'll run into people that come up there, oh, God, I'll see you tomorrow, I'll be here, I had a blast, and you never see them again. And it breaks my heart because, like I said, these dogs just want to be loved, and the cats, the cats that are there too, Mm -hmm. they just want human companionship, even if it's for 10 minutes, so I really, really hope that people will take more time and realize how important it is to go visit and volunteer at your shelters and help out in any way you can.
0: Oh, definitely. I think it's so important. And even just to give some insight into what these shelter employees are dealing with all the time and to better understand what they're going through because it's so easy to place blame on them. For things that are really out of their control in so many cases. It's so wonderful that you're partnered with them so closely and you love them so much. In the next few years, I mean, what's your, do you have any big goals for the rescue? Hopefully
2: we can just continue what we're doing and just help more and more animals. Uh, We do help kittens also. My partner has branched out with us and she does a lot of kittens because it's the population I'm sure it's not just here, but it's just never-ending. I mean, it's so many cat colonies everywhere, and they're all feral, and they're inbred. They're breeding with brother and sister. It, it's crazy. We're just hoping we can ex- stay like we are, but expand as far as helping more animals. And like I said, it's the thought has crossed my mind numerous times, if I only had my building again. That's something that possibly could happen in the future. We'll have to see, but I really want to hopefully educate more, get into schools, be able to bring a pit bull into the classrooms with little ones and teach children how they're supposed to be with an animal and show them that they don't need to be in fear of just a dog in general and how you're supposed to be with them, with not pulling on ears and pulling tails and climbing on them. I have so many ideas that I would love to do. It's getting that foot in the door to do it. It's not easy when you come out with, hi, my name is Cindy. I have a pit bull rescue. That word right there, if I could take a picture of every person with their expression when I've mentioned pit bull. And like I said, that pushes me harder to fight for them.
0: And I'm sure in the next year, fingers crossed, but I'm sure you'll start seeing fundraising efforts go up and it'll be a little bit easier. I know it's been a confusing time for all of us. Oh, yeah. Well, so we kind of have some little fun questions about those uh, pit bulls that you're staring at right (laughs) now in your home. So, and this can apply to any of the residents that you've had at your shelter facility, any of your fosters, anything actually, but what is the naughtiest thing? one of the animals has ever done.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, that's easy. I'm looking at my Milo, Dennis, aka Dennis the Menace. Let's see. He's chewed up four TV controllers. He has destroyed three, four, five area rugs, two sets of curtains in my bedroom. My mother, who's 89 years old, who lives with us, destroyed her favorite purse that was given to her from all her grandchildren
0: oh my god (laughs) let's
2: see what else he's gone through five dog beds and my gunner that's eight years old never tore up anything we can't have toys in the house because he eats them so they just have those everlasting chew bones that i get at tractor supply he's my dentist the menace but oh my goodness i can't imagine him not in my life
1: (laughs) i say all the curtains all the curtains and all the beds you got your own little interior designer over there (laughs) He's like, not this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. I know when whenever a
0: rescue is like, we need like three dog beds. I was like, I know why. I know why <laughs> okay. you need those beds. It's just like some dogs, it's like mortal enemy or something. They're just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> well, like at
2: the shelter, they have signs, no blankets Because some of them will eat their blankets. So they have the cots. The cots that they can lay on because it's not material. And I think that also has a lot to do, especially if they're in a shelter environment, anxiety, with eating and swallowing things. Now, Milo won't swallow things, but he will shred things and just leave it all over the place. So yeah, he's my dentist, the menace, but like I said, he makes my heart smile. So we're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So lucky to have you. (laughs) So What, is there one like habit or trick one of your dogs has taught you?
2: One habit or trick. Maybe with my treats, it's the funniest thing. I wear like a little fanny pouch when I go to the shelter and it's filled with, they love the pepperonis. I've tried every treat in the book and that one has been the ticket for Mm -hmm. eight years. So the trunk is always loaded with bags of those. And I think maybe... With with that, because they always their eyes direct right on that fanny pouch, no matter what you're saying or doing, (laughs) it's right there for that. And they watch my fingers unzip. It's the funniest thing. So maybe something like that. And you're able to actually get them to do anything. Once they see that in your hand, it's Christmas morning for them.
0: That's almost like a gift you should give all your adopters like this. The fanny pack will help you with everything.
2: (laughs) My daughter got that for me and I tell you it's been a lifesaver. Yes, it has.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, so our last question, and I'm not sure if this is something that you have for the rescue or for yourself personally, but is there one like life motto or something that you tell yourself often?
2: One day at a time. And I tell myself every day, tomorrow's going to be a better day just breathe. I get very emotional when I see an animal that has been abused or I get a phone call and it will affect me physically and mentally. So I have tried to tell myself for every dog that that is being hurt, you're saving one. And I try to have that motto to get me through each day because when you are a rescuer, you want to help them all. And you have to be realistic and know you can't as much as you want to. I just, each day, I ask the good Lord to give me the strength and to help me be strong and to do whatever I can for these guys.
0: They're so lucky to have you. I mean, and we're so grateful that you're working in your community to do so much for this breed because certainly, like, state lines do not decide like where an animal is. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking to hear that like in one place, they're like loved and appreciated and in others, not so much.
2: Yep, I know. Yeah. It is sad.
0: Thank you so much for chatting with us. I mean, we look forward to all the work that you're doing presently and what you evolve into in the future. You've always got Cuddly on your side. So we're rooting for you.
2: You guys are our guardian angel. Believe me, we love you. We can't imagine you not in our life. That's all I have to say. Angel and I talk about that every day. We've been blessed with you and I thank you from the bottom of my heart.
0: And love to Angel too. Yes. Thank you. We were so delighted to have Cindy on today. It was incredible to hear about that homegrown passion and the impact that it's making not only in her community, but in her shelter and how that they're working together to save animals. If you want to
1: learn a little bit more about Pitbull Second Chance, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast. And be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly. That's C U D D L Y. Thanks, guys.